for those uh, who are going to listen to the podcast, I know that y'all know, but uh, I'm going to mention for their benefit that this evening we're studying 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. You know, the Pew Bibles and the New King James that I've got as well uh, has entitled this section, as I've got on the screen there, Marks of the Ministry. And I, I would agree with that summary or that theme of these verses, but really, if, if you get familiar with this letter as a whole, uh, it appears to me that this thought is, is woven throughout this letter. That he discusses the marks of the ministry throughout this letter to the Corinthians, and uh, not just in these ten verses that we're going to study tonight. But we recall there, you recall there, and we see that in verse one, that uh, he says uh, that we can uh, receive this grace of God in vain. He said, "We then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain." So he says, "As workers of God, we beg you." You know, don't uh, receive our message, our ministry. Don't receive it in vain. That word uh, grace there is pretty consistent throughout the New Testament. I know here some years ago uh, that Brother Jeffrey brought us, a, I believe it was Jeffrey that brought us a lesson on, on the meanings of the word grace. But throughout the New Testament, with the exception of a couple of passages in James, it it comes from the same Greek word. And um, Strong's defines it as meaning uh, several things, if you'll bear with me here, because I believe that all of these things are really revealed and discussed and, and shown throughout these verses. He said it, it means either literally or figuratively or spiritually, especially the divine influence. God's influence, Christ's influence, the Holy Spirit's influence, the Word of God's influence upon the heart, and its reflection in the life, including gratitude, acceptable uh, benefit, favor, gift, or grace, or it results in graciousness, uh, liberality, pleasure, thanks, or thankworthy. But, you know, a lot of people in the religious world and, and in the denominational world that call themselves by the name of Christ, they do not believe, many do not believe, that it's possible to receive the grace of God in vain. Uh, while we're discussing the meaning, the Greek meanings of, of uh, these words, I forgot I had that on a slide, read it instead. But anyway, that, that word vain, uh, Strong says that this, appear, this word, the Greek word here, appears to be a primitive word. But just flatly, he said it means empty. You know, when we think of something that's empty, we think of a, a vessel or a container. Sometimes you might think of my mind as being empty. Or. Uh, people's hearts, that there's nothing there, that it's a cold and empty heart. Uh, 
Um, but it's something that there's no substance there. It doesn't contain anything that's useful or that can be seen as useful or can offer any, any benefit, nothing that's effective or beneficial. And there's no evidence of something that's empty that it's going to or that it has any effectiveness whatsoever. And that's what he's talking about those who receive the Word of God in vain. That it, it doesn't result in this effect upon their lives. It's, it's empty. The grace was of no benefit to them. We recall uh, in the last study, I want to look at a few, just a few verses there that led into this chapter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, he says, That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Earlier, I believe, when the last study that I had from 2 Corinthians was on chapter 4, and I pointed out there that uh, maybe a majority of the time, at least at that, in that study that we're going, that when he refers to um, the word us, he's talking about the ministry. He's talking about, uh, we know how that in uh, chapter 1, of Second Corinthians, that he says that you know he's, it's greetings from him and Timothy, and he refers to his fellow co-workers uh, at various places throughout this letter. But uh, we we see how Paul ended the preceding chapter, going into our text, and he said he's committed to us. He showed the nature of this ministry that. Uh, God was in Christ reconciling. That means bringing back into relationship those who were separated from Him uh, by their sin. And he said, this ministry was that God through Christ or in Christ is reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And then in the next verse, he said, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, he said, Now then, we are, and again, I believe mainly his emphasis and his thoughts are talking about the ministers of the gospel, about his fellow co-workers, those that labor with him. He said, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading, here he goes again, through us. And in our text he says that they're doing exactly that and he said we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled be joined if you will to God and to his cause and then in verse 21 of the previous chapter he said for he made him Christ who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And I kind of went to the extent to read that mainly to, uh, you know, it gives us a grasp of that word uh, grace. And the grace that the Apostle Paul and Timothy and, and all the co-workers, all the ministers of the Gospel of Christ wanted 
He said, I beg, we beg with you, we plead you. Don't reject it. Don't neglect it. He said, but receive it. So, uh, in the beginning of our text there, we saw in verse 1 that Paul said, workers together. And he wasn't just talking about himself and Timothy, as he mentioned in chapter 1 early on, but uh, all the fellow laborers in that cause. Not only with one another, but more importantly, he said, with Christ. You know, uh, it's been quite a while since we studied the, the first letter to the Corinthians, but these letters were written a relatively short period of time uh, between each other. And since Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, uh, the church had been influenced by false teachers, mainly Judaizers, those who uh, wanted uh, the church to continue to follow certain parts of the law of Moses. They, and they had stirred up people against Paul and against his ministry. And they did, they claimed all sorts of stuff. And they, they tried to convince other people that since Paul wasn't one of the original 12 apostles, that he couldn't be an apostle, that he wasn't an apostle. And they taught that he was inferior to the apostles and to all the other apostles. Uh, and they attempted to even promote Peter and Apollos uh, above, above the apostle Paul. And they taught that he was inferior, he was lacking in, in all aspects. And they degraded him and they constantly undermined his authority. And therefore we see where the Apostle Paul is often defending his apostleship. And, uh, but for, uh, not for personal reasons, but for the cause of the work that he has done for God. In the second verse there, he says, "...by which also you are saved by the grace of God, if you hold fast... Or this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, I'm sorry. And uh, he had, he, here also he points out that we can receive the grace of God in vain. He said, by which you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So... It's vain to us. It's in vain. It's worthless. It's of no uh, good end if we don't hold fast to that Gospel, to this message of grace, which is the Gospel of Christ. And he said if you don't hold fast to it, you've, you've believed in vain. The Hebrew writer in chapter 12 and verse 14 said, Pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So if we think we can receive this grace without any commitment on our part, without any effort to hold to that Gospel message, uh, without any concern about the holiness of our lives, then the Hebrew writer said that that person is not going to see the Lord 
So we clearly see that it's confirmed what the Apostle Paul was teaching the church at Corinth, that we can receive the grace of God in vain. In Hebrews 12 and verse 15, he said, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Again, a lot of people don't believe that that's possible. That all they have to do is believe. And he's talked about the result. He said, uh, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You know, so in this verse we also see as Apostle Paul uh, discusses in, in our chapter uh, that you know we have to be diligent about our influence upon other people, that it doesn't just affect us. It if we are not if we don't hold fast to that gospel uh, message to the grace of God then we can also affect others and have them uh, see the same fate that we will if we reject that gospel message. Now we go back to verse two of our text in First Corinthians chapter Second Corinthians chapter six, and he said, "For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation." I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, there were uh, Jews in the congregation there at Corinth, both faithful and Judaizers. Uh, but for the most part, he was talking about the Gentiles. This congregation was mostly Gentile people. Uh, and... Uh, he had he had heard heard them. He realized their need as well as the Jewish people who had rejected him. That they also, uh, you know, sought uh, to have a relationship with the Creator. And he said, "And in the day of salvation, I have helped you from the foundation of the world." Actually, he began to help uh, before the foundation of the world. And that he was going to provide uh, the Passover lamb, the spotless sacrifice in Christ for both the Jew and the Gentile. And he said, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And he was again uh, talking to him, uh, them. He is offering the Gentiles uh, salvation. And he said, you're not to take it lightly. He said, don't neglect it. Don't neglect the opportunity while you have it today. He said, take advantage. And, uh, you know, they needed to, in spite of, you know, the environment that most of the Gentiles had been raised in and their uh, idol worship and what, they needed to have this concept that they're not promised tomorrow. But uh, they're not to delay their obedience and the learning of this narrow way that leads to life. But they're to accept it by obeying it immediately, both Jew and Gentile. Third verse, he says, We give no offense in anything, 
but our ministry, but that our ministry may not be blamed. You know, Paul sought in all ways to uh, to live, to work, to teach, and to love others with the only goal of doing the work of the Lord Jesus and God's work. The same mission. Christ said He came to seek and save that which was lost. Christ said He came to do what the Father told Him to do. And to say what the Father told Him to say. And uh, He said that uh, to save the lost through the Gospel, that He had a sincere, a pure, a, a true religion. And uh, He kept Himself unspotted from the world. And He taught the Corinthians that they had to do the same thing. And I believe in, in the next lesson, whoever's got that, that that's going to be the, the key message, the central theme of that message. But we notice, I want you to notice something here about the punctuation. Uh, in the New King James, I didn't check to double check it in, in uh, the Pew Bibles, but I know in mine, it, verse 3 ends with a period there. It, but uh, in the Old King James, it ends with a, with a colon. And uh, the next seven verses past this uh, are used to describe the measures that in particular the Apostle Paul, but that would also include uh, Timothy and his other co-workers together with Christ. Uh, the the measures that they went to, the lengths that they went to, the lives that they lived, uh, the afflictions and the punishment from their enemies that, that they endured for the sake of the Gospel in order that their ministry, or we see here later that He calls it an ambassadorship. He said we're ambassadors for Christ. And that they would not be blamed for the failing of the grace of God. He said they made their lives pure. They did everything possible. He said, you know, the Apostle Paul taught that he became all things to all men that by some means some might be saved. And um, he continues to point out here that they lived the kind of life. They, they kept their heart in, in our lives, holy and, and strict and loving, uh, so that the gospel of Christ wouldn't fail to those who would have it, that it would accomplish the end that God had intended for it to accomplish. And they left it as we should to God to give the increase of the word, you might say, if you will, according to his pleasure. And so. Every one of us should take heed to the message He's given here us early in these verses and should be on guard to make sure that our manner of life does not influence others and that it might not uh, cause them to also not obey 
the gospel of Christ. Going on to verse 4, he said, but in all things, you know, that's sobering thought right there. How many of us take it that seriously? That it matters, that all things matter. He said, in all things, we, again, I believe he's uh, referring to the ministers there himself uh, most prominently. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distress, and perhaps you noticed as we read through here that it's just one series of commas after another. And so Paul tells us how he he and his fellow ministers in Christ lived holy lives and how they were what caused them and what tools and what means they used, uh, what gifts they used to be dedicated to God in all aspects. He, he tells us how they accomplished that, how they had lives like that, and in doing so, He shows us how we can do the same. It was their voluntary choice to turn everything that they had or desired. Their desire was to give up their desires to serve the Lord. Their desire was to be a bondservant. They did it willingly as Christ willingly gave His life for us. And they desired uh, service to the Lord over their own pleasures. But Paul talked about this commandment in uh, the first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 1. He said, "...let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So, again, they weren't seeking to be prominent men of, of personal notoriety, uh, but only servants and stewards of, of what God had entrusted to their care. That was their goal. That's what they wanted to do. And His Word and the Gospel and sowing the seed and totally being in all things, as he said, God's minister. That was their goal. He said, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. And so here, Paul talks in generalities about what he endured. And... Uh, I just put a reference here. Uh, not going to read it. It's a little bit lengthy, but there's also going to be uh, a study on this passage not too long in the future, Lord willing. But uh, if you'd like to know more about the specifics, you can just turn over to chapter 11 if you want to write this down and just read verses 23 through 28. And it gives you, you know a list of incredible uh, persecution and, and, and sufferings and trials and tribulations that he went through for the cause of Christ. And so, you know, it was Paul himself that said, and I, I was going to look this up, I do not remember exactly where this is found, but he said, it's not wise for us to compare ourselves to one another. But 
He's not doing that. He's not comparing Himself to men. He's comparing Himself to the standards that, that God has set. To the Word of God. To the holy and inspired Word of God. And so when we consider the worst afflictions that we've ever endured, the worst trials that we've ever sustained in life, have we ever uh, had to endure anything that would compare to what these apostles and evangelists endured for the cause of Christ? So, you know, if we don't think our faith is up to that, then we need to uh, be working on that. And if we did endure these kind of afflictions and these temptations and these trials, what was the purpose? Was it up for the cause of Christ? Was it to do the Lord's bidding? Or was it for selfish purposes only? So to be a bond minister, to be a, 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 to be a minister, to be a bond slave, to be a servant for the cause of Christ, is that why... We endure the afflictions, the persecutions, the tumults, and so on, as he said. But how did he do it? How did they do it? How did they survive? How did they stay faithful? In verse 6, he said, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. And we know how that in chapter 13, he teaches that that's the greatest motivation of all. That's the most important thing of all. But the prior couple of verses show that what Paul endured at the hands of his enemies, at the hands of men. But now he proceeds here to tell us what virtues that he and the ministers and or the ambassadors of Christ, for Christ, employed to endure these trials and these persecutions and to stay faithful to the cause of Christ no matter what the cost. In other words, what got Paul through those trials? He continues on. He gave, gave us part of the answer and he continues on. He said, by the word of truth. He said, by the power of God. The Gospel of Christ, he said. He wasn't ashamed of it. For it's the power of God and salvation both to the Jew and to the Greek. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Being prepared on, on all sides, if you will. He, can, he could endure, he says, because he loved and he was not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. And he trusted and he leaned and he employed the power of God. And he employed the Word of God. And he didn't use his own strength and his own willpower, but he depended on the power of God. What God gave him, what God provided him, the perfect... Uh, he used what made him complete. What God gave him to make him complete. He wrote to the Ephesian church, he said, put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6 and verse 11. The whole armor of God. Not just parts of it. 
You're in danger if you don't put on the whole armor of God. But he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, what are we willing? What part of armor? What part of protection that God offers us, that He gives to us, are we willing to do without? So that the devil can attack us. Or are we willing to do without just because we're too lazy to put it on? Or we just don't really care that much? Verse 8, he said, By honor and by dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. You know, among his own uh, Christian brotherhood, for the most part, he was honored to a great degree. He had, uh, you know, great respect by the church and great respect for the work that he did. But to those that were lost, to the Judaizers who sought to keep power within uh, God's family, uh, he said by evil report and by good report in the same token. You know, he, uh, he was reported of highly in the church, but we know the opinion of the Judaizers and those who were against him and, and leaders who were leery of, of the, the power and the reputation that Christians had and the followers that Christ had. And he said, as uh, deceivers, that, you know, he, he had uh, done the best he could with those. He had done all that he could. But yet, his message was true, even though uh, they taught something else to the contrary. So he could endure because he had loved, and he was, again, he was not ashamed. But he continued on, uh, and really, this has the same comparisons here as unknown and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened and yet not killed. So, you know, he was uh, relatively unknown, to, especially to many of the, the Gentiles who had no desire to be ambassadors or followers of Christ. Those who uh, didn't care whether they received the grace of God. They didn't think it was necessary. And yet he was well known among those who uh, you know among whom he worked not just his not just the Christians but also many of the leaders he had respect by them uh, in the secular world and uh, you know although we can read many cases where he was uh, close to death but yet, God kept him, kept him alive at least through uh, what we have of, of the written Word. And, uh, you know, he was subjected to many things. He was chastened and, and corrected and uh, beaten. And, uh, you know, people tried to kill him and yet he was not killed. 
And uh, again, he he trusted God to, uh, you know, that God knew what was best for him. And finally, in verse ten, he said, "As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing." You know, he had uh, many reasons to sorrow. And in that eleventh chapter, in those verses that I was talking about, one of the things that he said waited most upon him was the care of the church. And uh, we saw how sorrowful he was about that man who he told him to uh, correct, to admonish, to not uh, recognize, to not have company with, to not be a brother, to correct him. And, you know, he talks about how he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing because he constantly saw the results of his work the saving of souls, the changing of lives, that where, uh, you know, he rejoiced when others rejoiced, when the angels of heaven rejoiced. You know, he knew they were rejoicing with him. And as poor, he. Uh, you know, did without uh, many of the material things of this world that he he could have had if he had continued, you know, to uh, walk the paths that he had walked prior to this. Yet making many rich, giving them the most valuable, the most profitable. Uh, the most joyful things that he could provide men and women with the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, and the grace of God. And he said, as having nothing on earth, but uh, he did have the love and the admiration of Christians. But yet, it was you know, it was earthly. Uh, it was on earth, and uh, he said, and yet possessing all things. <clears throat> and I didn't put this on a slide, but I'm going to turn to, for a close lesson, I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10 in regards to that possessing all things. He said, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10 again, he said, according to the grace of God, which was given me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. So, uh, that's the, the sum of the lesson that tonight. I hope that you found something that will cause your your love and your service to God to be challenged. That you'll uh, consider how much you need to grow and what else you can do for the cause of the Lord and what else you can do to be an ambassador for Christ. You know, when if the ambassadors of this country, you know, they, uh, they're delivering the message that came from leader from the president <clears throat> and that's the way it is for us we are delivering the message we're delivering the hope we're delivering the the grace of God to the to all who will accept it
And we would hope that if you need the help, if you need the prayers, that you will not neglect that opportunity and, and let us know how we can help you uh, fight for a good fight of faith. If there's one here who has not been obedient to the principles of the Gospel and, and desires to do so tonight, we'd encourage you to come as we stand and sing the song.